Thank you for downloading this episode of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. We really appreciate your ears. All opinions expressed are those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. If you'd like to find out more details about advertising and sponsorship opportunities, very cost-effective too, of either the podcast or of our Shrimps live full match Morecambe commentaries. We are at every single game, of course, home and away between now and the end of the season. You can drop me an email for more details to dave.salmon at beyondradio.co.uk Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After... Just trying to build nicely in the centre of the park. Sanders infield to Whitaker once more, and then Sanders over on this right hand side. Slide draw pass into the face of Scully. TJ Armas in the box here. Scully might get a shot away. Turns away from his oh, man and he's oh, cleared oh, off the line. First time of Askell and then put into the back of the net for the opening goal early on here inside the first 10 minutes. It's Morgan Whitaker with the tap in for Lincoln City. And that's not the start what Stephen Robinson's men wanted. 10 minutes on the watch here at the LMER Stadium. And we were carved open in fairness down the right hand side. In it went to Scully. Neat trick to his man. First shot was say it was uh, off the line by O'Connor. And then the rebound tapped in by Morgan Whitaker to make it Lincoln City 1, Morgan 0. Like you say, really good attacking play from Lincoln City there. We thought we got away with it. Anthony O'Connor on the edge of the box. Fortunately, his clearance just straight into the path of the onrushing uh, Morgan Whitaker. Really makes no mistake from close range. And it's a great start for Lincoln. And uh, we find ourselves 1-0 down after 10 minutes. Into the face of Scully over on the left-hand side of the Morecambe penalty area looking for options. One of them already is 2-0. And that was a lovely move too, you have to say, and Morecambe carved open once more. That time over on the left-hand side of the penalty area, Scully involved, looked like he was going to run out of room on the byline, but he jinked back and the runner came in and slipped it under Carson from a tight angle to double Lincoln City's lead in the 21st minute and make it the Imps 2, the Shrimps nil. It was a great, uh, like you say, great build-up play for Lincoln City. That pass through just cut open the uh, the Morecambe defence and uh, the lads done well to find the corner from the angle. But like you say, a bit of an inquest going on in that Morecambe defence. Stephen Robinson barking instructions from the sideline. Don't think he's too happy with what he's just seen defensively. It's just deflected away from the edge of the area and it's going to be Morecambe's first corner. I just wonder whether the, the Shrimps dream team double act of the Phillips corner, the Anthony O'Connor header from close range is going to come to the fore here. Let's see. Deep in stoppage time at the end of the first half. Lincoln 2, Morecambe 0. Corner comes in from Phillips towards the... Oh, it was the header as well. And it was Anthony O'Connor, and it's just over the bar. It's a great chance for Morecambe just before the half-time break. The free kick's taken short to Cooney, who's going to chip it in towards the penalty spot. It's going to be Diagaraga! And we have got one back, and that was a super volley from Tamani Diagaraga. Good free kick from the right-hand side from Ryan Cooney. Chested down by Ayunga, and then a great volley, nice and crisp, into the bottom corner from the edge of the area for Tamani Diagaraga's second goal of the season. And 11 minutes into the second half, 
we have some hope. We've pulled one back. It's Lincoln City 2, Morecambe 1. Right place, right time from big teams. It's a rocket from the edge of the area. First time volley into the back of the net. Gives the goalkeeper no chance at all. And we did say, Dave, an early goal for the Shrimps in the second half. And it could be a different game altogether. And we've got just that. Oh, that's a sloppy pass. It allows Shane McLaughlin to get the ball into the feet of Cole Stockton. And Stockton just trying to play Adam Phillips in on the edge of the area then. Again, nearly oh, but not quite. Oh, going to tap it in here. No! That is a fantastic save. It looked for all the world as if Joan Ryunga, he should have just leathered it and broke the net. He just went to pass it into the corner instead. That was a golden opportunity for the Shrimps to get back on level terms. And Joan Ryunga has missed the chance. Great save from Josh Griffiths down to his left hand side. But Joan Ryunga, he should have broke the net. You certainly maybe bet your house on Jonah to score from there given his recent form. But credit to the keeper. It's a wonderful save. It's Howes, the substitute, is in the penalty area. Oh, it's that a is great a fantastic save. save, but we need to be aware here on the second phase, a second grab under pressure there under his bar from Trevor Carson. The substitute, Howes, was in on the left-hand side, six yards down. It was arrowing towards the top corner, and that's a fine save from the Morecambe keeper, Trevor Carson, to keep us in it. Diagaraga picks it up, and then Greg Lee. Over on this left-hand side, he's going to cut in. Lee just looking for his options. He's going to chip it towards a beaker on the back post. And then Shane McLaughlin oh! back across. That could have gone absolutely anywhere. Could have been an own goal. Could have fallen to a Morecambe shirt inside the six-yard area. Instead, the Lincoln defender skews it over his own bar for a corner. Oh, I tell you what, that was agonisingly close to being an own goal. Again, Dave, how many times have you seen balls like that fizzed into the mix and take a deflection off a home player into the back of the net? It wasn't to be on that occasion for Morgan, but the Strips have got themselves a corner. In front of the 140, travelling away fans in the Stacey West stand away to our right-hand side. Greg Lee takes this corner towards Go the back post, oh. is it heading in, it's off the line. Second shot cleared away from Calmont as well, and Lincoln City had loads of bodies back behind the ball. It couldn't quite be forced home. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps Verdict on Beyond Radio. You can't start games like that. If you you know you want to win at this level, it's the performance from Saturday to the first 20 minutes in the game. You know, um, you're 2-0 down before you've even started. We didn't stay with runners. It was the, the left-back scores. And the, the right-back that gets in, the one that's cleared off the line and falls right to them. So forward players don't match our runners. And we get punished for it. Second half, it's night and day. And... Football's a simple game. If you press and you pass the ball, you get results. And second half we done that. First half we were so passive. It was like night and day from Saturday. And you know, that's probably been the story of our season, the consistency and you know, consistency and performance you can get. Results can be up and down depending on decisions and a little bit of luck. But you know, the first twenty minutes has cost us the game. How disappointing was that? with the form that you've shown in the last few games? Yeah, really disappointing. I'm even more disappointed when you see the performance that we can put on in the second half on the front foot. Believed in each other, there was voices. You know, it was, again, like a silent movie, first 20 minutes. Nobody speaking, nobody driving. But we just didn't stay with runners, simply. You know, forward players didn't stay with our fullbacks. And you got punished for it. And it's so frustrating because, you know, for a lot of the game, especially second half, we took it to them. We should have scored. It was a great chance. And, off the line it actually hits cold so you know but and when you're chasing the game they become so so important you know you shouldn't have to be that important there should be chances created and not you know the be all and end all but our defending and the, the willingness to stay with runners was really really poor 
is it that inconsistent if inconsistency that's really hit you this season? That's why we are where we are. You know, we, we know we're good enough to stay in the league We've, on many occasions and in the, you know, even take the game tonight in the second half we proved we're a good side. The first twenty minutes especially we were really poor and you have to get a consistency level of, you know, six and seven out of ten and we haven't got that. We're either really good or we make really poor decisions and, and individual errors and you know we got punished for two of them tonight. Tamani Di Graga back again on the score sheet, another great goal from him. Yeah, it was a super goal. Um uh, again his performance first half compared to second half was night and day, which probably reflected the whole team. We were passive, we didn't get on the ball. As I say, football's a simple game. If you don't press teams and you're passive and you don't get on the ball and be brave and pass it, you won't win football matches. And it just probably rounded off our season with the first half and the second half and how up and down we've been. The big moments seem to be the chance that Jonah Iunga didn't put away late on in the game. Yeah, Jonah knows he should score. You know, it's from three yards out, it's a it's a great chance and I think we might have went on actually to get something more out of the game because we were on the front foot and, and chasing the game. John O'Big is one at the end, he gets a great contact and hits Cole on the line and things are going against you, but you know you shouldn't have to be chasing the game. We just simply didn't do the right things for the first 20 minutes. We didn't match them, we didn't press them and we didn't pass the ball. And at any level of football, whatever system you play, whatever team you pick, if you don't do that, you're, you're not going to win football matches. And it's frustrating because we're a good side when we do that. When we don't and we overthink things, we're, we're not a good side. The fine lines, again, seem to be going the wrong way and... And that seems to be making the difference this season as well so far. I think at the moment, and, but I think you create your own fine lines. You know, the more balls you put into the box, the more opportunities you have to miss. You know, the more times you defend your box, the other end properly, and stay with runners, the less chance of them scoring. And I, I repeat myself, football's basic. We didn't press them. We were passive for 20 minutes. We didn't stay with our, our runners. Our forward players didn't match our fullbacks. And the second half we did, and you get a much better performance. But again, when you're chasing a two-nil lead. You know, it was all our second half. Trevor had one fantastic save to, to make when we, we went cavalier at the back to, to try and chase the game, but you can't start games like that. You brought an Alpha McCalmont for the second half. Was, was that a big decision for you? I just, you know, we needed more. We we needed, you know, Dylan's not obviously that comfortable at wing-back. We had to try and do that within the game. And, you know, Shane's played a lot of football at wing-back. Alfie gives us a bit more ownership of the game as well. Got on the ball and passed it well. Um... You know, you're just looking to freshen it up. You know, I did world you, you probably put two more forwards on, but you always think Cole might just nick a goal and you leave him on for that reason. But um, yeah, listen, Alfie's come on and done it himself no harm. Chilling in on Saturday, it makes it a big game, an even bigger game. Yeah, like the next two are absolutely huge. This one was huge. Um, we failed on this one. Um, we have to pick ourselves back up. You know, the boys know what they have to do. We have to play like we did second half. You know, after the, the goals went in, it was like somebody shaking as we're ready to play now that's too late at this level you get punished um, we can't do that Saturday you know we have to start in the front foot like we've done against Bolton like we have done in the, probably the last six games and that's the first time for quite a few weeks where we've let ourselves down with the performance level in the first half well Trevor 2-1 defeat at Lincoln tonight uh, how did you see the game overall? Um, I think Says it as well. You said it there. The first twenty minutes just really wasn't up to scratch, was it? 
you can put your finger on it, you know, you can say all the right things in the dressing room before the game and, you know, quieten their crowd, try and get their crowd to turn on them and go and press, you know, what we worked on all week, but, you know, it just seemed disjointed and, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the two opportunities and, you know, two goals and, you know, I think in terms of conceding, I think teams don't have to do an awful lot against us at the minute to score goals and, uh, you know, it's a frustrating thing, especially in, I think after maybe half an hour we dominated the game, you know, with possession, bar one or two breakaways they had, but, you know, you got to learn sooner or later, you know, unfortunately I've been in battles, I guess, and been on the wrong end of it, and it's all about not, you know, learning from your mistakes, and, you know, it's up to us now to dust ourselves down, we've got a massive game again Saturday, so, you know, you got to go again, you can't feel sorry for yourself. When Simani brought you back into the game, I think we all thought that this was it, kick on from there, and it... You tried and tried and tried. I think you hit the bar or had one cleared off the line with Donald Beaker's header. But just couldn't quite get through, could you? No, I felt the exact same once Tim scored, you know. I felt like it was only a matter of time before we'd go on. And, you know, I was thinking let's get the equaliser before maybe 75, 80 and then go on and win the game. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about a draw, and, you know, but it's one of them. You know, I don't think it was certainly off for lack of triumph from the boys, you know, in terms of effort and... Um, work great and you know a desire to want to get a result. I think you've seen that in bucket loads, but you know just just like you know with guilt dead chance through Jonah to be fair to our goalies made a you know great recovery save. But you know you got to take them chances when you're down the bottom and uh, you know it's a completely different atmosphere after. I think you want them in the game and get, get the equaliser then. But it's all ifs and buts and maybe's and uh, you know as I said something else now to make it make things happen. And I think that first twenty minutes. Everyone was waiting for someone else to kick starters into the game and, you know, instead of one of us taking the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, even going putting a tackle in or we just, you know, I, th- I thought we were too easy to play against and, you know, maybe it did just take, you know, one of them old-fashioned tackles to, you know, wake the whole team up, but it never came, you know, it took them to go 2-0 up for us to sort of wake up and start playing football and, and by that time, you know, it's too late. I know we've had a few great turnarounds this season, but, you know, you can't keep expecting So you got to, you know, I thought the reaction second half, you know, was good, and we've got to take that into Saturday now and uh, you know learn from it. I was going to say that there are ifs, buts, and maybes, but what we do know is that Saturday is a massive game. Of course, tonight was a massive game. You know, you can't. You know, I said to the lads before, like, just don't let these games get away from us. Don't let them pass us by, and you know, you can't do that because all of a sudden, you know, you know, the one point, two points becomes five points, and you know. Lucky enough again, results went our way, and uh, you know, it still is only a point or two points. So you know we can't we can't rely on other teams the rest of the season. There comes a point where we have to you know put our sleeves up. Like it's hard to say that because there's not one lad in there that doesn't you know, give a hundred percent. But there's a different way to you know give your all in terms of you know being clever how you press, you know being brave on the ball, and you know and we just gotta dust ourselves down tonight. It's been a Harsh lesson, you know, everyone's got it in there, it's a big game was tonight, but you know, it only makes Saturday a bigger game and you know, without putting too much pressure on it, you know, we think we all know it's a game and uh, you know, hopefully you know, we've showed I think we've been decent at home this season and uh, you know, we've got to you know, be disappointed, learn from the mistakes but come out, you know, hungry and fight and hopefully get a massive reaction Saturday. It's the Shrimps Verdict Podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. 
and here at the LNER Stadium, well on the car park actually, uh, just reflecting on tonight's action, it's finished, Lincoln City 2, Morecambe 1, hello from Dave Salmon, thank you for joining us for our full match commentary on Shrimps Live tonight, really, really appreciate it. Just looking back through the game though, and you can't help feel that it is another missed opportunity. As Stephen Robinson said there in his uh, post-match, the word he kept using was passive. We were far too passive for the whole of the game, and I absolutely agree. It's probably the first half, the worst we've played since the first half against Doncaster Rovers, and that was back on the 2nd of January. So that gives you a measure of how well Morecambe have played over the last five weeks or so. We were just caught napping. Simple as that, really. Lincoln came out the blocks really fast, got that early goal, and that kind of set the tone for the first 45 minutes, really. We couldn't defend, we couldn't clear our lines, and then they got in again on the opposite side of the penalty area. And then at 2-0, it was always a, a bit of a mountain to climb. But we know we've come back from similar or worse situations a number of times this season. So all hope wasn't lost. We started to get back into the game a bit more towards half-time. And then in the second half, Toombs reduced the arrears to 2-1 with a, a lovely volley into the bottom corner. And then you just felt that, do you know what? The momentum's starting to shift a little bit here and we started to play a little bit more like we know we can play. Change to three at the back. That paid dividends for Stephen Robinson as well. We look back though, and I don't want to be harsh on Jonah Iunga at all because he has been in absolutely electric form over the last six weeks or so, pretty much into turn of the year and, and, and a bit before that as well, actually. So I don't want to be harsh on Jonah because he's starting to show exactly why we brought him to this football club in the first place, but he has to score. And he will know that. He will know that he has to leather that one into the back of the net or send it back across the keeper where it came from. He went for an, the same post, the near post side-footed finish. I suppose on another day, it would go under the keeper and, and you would all be praising about how great a finish it was. But on this occasion, the Lincoln keeper, Josh Griffiths, got back across. And it was a really, really good save, uh, to be fair. But those are the chances that we have to start converting because those chances convert good performances and positive results into actual points. Same at Bolton, against Bolton on Saturday. That has to be seen as two points dropped, no doubt about that. And I feel that perhaps we've dropped another one tonight. But whole hope far from lost. There are still 15 games to go. Two massive games coming up, of course, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a week on Saturday away at Shrewsbury and the small matter of Gillingham this coming weekend live at the Mazuma. Shrimps Live, of course, will be bringing you full match commentary on Beyond Radio and on iFollow from 2.45. Join us on FM and our DAB Plus digital radio service as well. And So let's preview. The weekend's action right now. I've been talking to Matt, who's the presenter, the founder as well of Jill's in the Blood. It's a YouTube Gillingham fan channel, uh, website, social media feeds as well. And Matt is a lifelong Gillingham supporter, follows the Jill's home and away, and the ideal person then to get the full lowdown on Neil Harris's men. Of course, Gillingham recently changed their manager, got rid of Steve Evans. Neil Harris, the former Millwall boss, is in charge until the end of the season. 
and the ideal person then, Matt, to get the full lowdown on all things Gillingham ahead of their trip to the Mazuma this coming Saturday. So, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Before we get going on matters in hand, on and off the field, I suppose, tell us everything we need to know about Jill's in the Blood. Oh, uh, yeah. Jill's in the Blood is a fan-run channel that was set up by myself. It'd be five years ago tomorrow, I think, actually, weirdly. I'm sure it was 8th of February. I'll have to double-check after I've stopped talking to you. Um, I'll bet sort something out for a fifth birthday then. Oh, blimey. I'll be <laughs> rushing around tonight. Yeah, it was. I'd been invited onto another Jules fan channel that was running at the time that's now defunct. And they asked me to do a, a match day video for them. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I thought, well, it's something I want to do more. I want to do it myself. Because I didn't want to step on any of their toes and, and take over there. So I spoke to a couple of the lads that I go to football with and said, look, this is the plan. This is what I want to do. Um, are you interested in helping me out? And they both said yes. Um, and five years later, people are still listening and people are still watching and subscribing. So we must be doing something OK. Um, it's been tough this season. Obviously, we're not winning enough football matches. But no, we do three regular shows a week. So we do Match Day Live. or Well, four if there's a Tuesday game. So that's basically us at the game, um, essentially. Um, we do a Monday review. So we look back at the, the Saturday fixture. Um, so I do like an overview of both halves and then player ratings, best opposition player and Jill's man of the match. And then also a Thursday um, we publish our match preview show, which obviously looks ahead to the Saturday. Um, we've also done other shows called My Jill's With, which is where we look at, um, we speak to other fans, ask them a series of questions, first game, favourite game, best player, six aside team, that type of thing. Been lucky enough to, to interview a few Jill's legends and, and ex-players, which has been great fun. Um, yeah, so that's basically Jill's in the blood in a nutshell. And like I say, we've been going five years, so we must be doing okay. <laughs> And in those five years, Matt, you've built up uh, quite the following. I suppose that is largely down to the effort that that goes into it, really. I think there's a lot of fan channels on YouTube, aren't there, especially there. They're a bit half-hearted in the sense that they just do a bit of mobile phone footage, 20 seconds to camera, and that's pretty much it and not much to add. But you make it a, a proper experience. Or try That's what to. we try. And the biggest thing is for me is I don't, my, my YouTube channel is not monetized at all. I don't earn anything out of it. I do it because I enjoy football. I started it up because the wife was fed up with me talking to her about Gillingham. She doesn't want to know. Even when we were good, she didn't want to know. So she definitely doesn't want to know this season because we've been absolute rubbish. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to, the, the biggest thing for me is trying to keep those fans that can't get to games, those that live abroad, you know, involved and connected to the football club. Um, and if we can do that, then I'm more than happy. And, and I enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking about football. We all do as blokes, I think, generally. Um, and if I can help other people out and feel connected to the club, then, then happy days. Because it literally is a mobile phone with us. There's no other editing equipment. I literally film everything on my mobile, aside from these types of things. At the game, it's just a mobile phone. It's an iPhone. It's a free video editor. Um, I was lucky enough that I've got a fellow Jules fan who does some graphics for me. But aside from that, it literally is just an iPhone job. There's no microphones. There's no equipment on top of me just walking into a ground with my mobile and I quite like it that way I don't think I'd want to get I don't want to feel too big time to be quite honest and yeah exactly and also I think you sort of mentioned about some channels being half arsed if there was going to be a season where I was going to pack it in it would have probably been this one and and we're coming out the other side and and Neil Harris has given us a bit of belief but yeah I, I still enjoy doing it and that's the main thing let's talk about that uh that that season then so far Matt it goes without saying. It's a ridiculous question, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's not gone to plan. It certainly hasn't gone to plan. No, it's gone so far from the plan that um, it's barely believable, considering <laughs> I said 
start of the season when I did my match preview, my season preview video, where I sort of concentrated on Jules and then obviously the table as a whole. And I had, a, I thought we'd match last season and the season before's tenth place finish. I categorically said under Steve Evans we'd never be in any danger of relegation. We hadn't been for two seasons. COVID and injuries have hit, at, but the bottom line is we've not been good enough. We've not won enough football matches. You're only one of four teams that we've beaten this season. You, Doncaster, Cambridge, and Crew last week. Blimey, yeah, can't forget that one. It was only a week ago. Um, yeah, it's going to be a long shot, even with Neil Harris in there, to, to, to get out of trouble. We need to go along at pretty much two points a game, which is championship winning form, and we're not been doing that for... 30 games so what's to say we're going to do it over 16 but there's certainly more belief the last two performances under Neil have been brilliant the, the turnaround in terms of attitude and application defensively and defensively has been staggering in such a short period of time we have to remember he only came in charge last Monday um, so he's only had a week or so um, I know we're recording this before the Tuesday night fixtures where we play Cambridge and um, I think you're taking on Lincoln you've just mentioned that so um it should be a positive end to the season, regardless of whether we stay up or go down. But what I think most Jules fans are looking at now is more mid to long term, which is yeah. there is belief that we can be successful next season, regardless of what division we're in. So what went wrong for Steve Evans then, Matt? Obviously, off the field issues, I guess, don't help either. But as you alluded to, it looked on paper, certainly when we played you at the end of August... You didn't look a, obviously very early days in August, isn't it? But mm. you, you, on paper, at least, you, you looked like you had a, a decent enough squad, manager with a good track record, despite what you might think of Steve Evans in other situations. But but what what has happened over the last six months? Um, we had we, we lost three weeks of pre-season to COVID. Some players isolated for twenty days because they got it, and then they had to isolate again because someone else had it. But you know, we're not the only club that had to deal with COVID issues and. Then we had a, a, the injury crisis, I think, hindered us a lot more. It was crippling us through November and December. There were games where we had literally four children on the bench. We were plucking them out of the youth team. We had a, I think there was one game, it might have been Fleetwood away or Rotherham away. We had a 17-year-old goalkeeper on the bench, two 18-year-old defenders and an 18-year-old centre-forward. And that was it. Everyone else was either unavailable or patched up and playing. And even those that were on the pitch, I think half of them were probably only sort of 70-80%. But... I've said it a million times this season. When you get relegated, it doesn't say that on the bottom of the table that Jules were unlucky with with injuries or COVID. It just says Jules were relegated. And the bottom line is we've won four games out of 30. We've not been good enough. We've not had them injuries all season long. We lost good players, you know, at the start of the season. We lost Jordan Graham. We lost Connor Ogilvie, Jack Bonham. Um, we was always going to downgrade on the likes of, of Oliver, Oliver, sorry, Ogilvie and Graham. That, that's no disrespect to anyone that came into the football club in the summer, but they they were too good for Gillingham Football Club. And you get them types of players. You'll probably get that people talking about Cole Stockton and that type of thing. That He will move on eventually, you'd imagine that, because he's scoring such a volume of goals that people are going to be sniffing higher up the food chain. And, and that's the nature of the beast at this level. Um, but bottom line, we can't get away from the fact that we've not been good enough. And then uh, the Ipswich game at home, start of January, which was the last one that Steve Evans was in charge for, we we sat there and looked at the lineup, and we just thought the, he's lost the plot. He was we had a defensive player playing up front, and we had a, a striker on the bench, and I just think it needed a change, regardless of what was to blame and who was to blame, because you, we couldn't keep going along like we were going along. We were we were going down without even so much as a fight. Mm. Um, We've shown fight in the last two fixtures. We should have beaten Ipswich at the weekend, and I'm not 
sitting here and just saying that because I'm a Gillingham fan. If you, if you look at my social media feed over the last couple of days, yeah. pretty much every Ipswich fan has said that we deserve probably all three points, at the uh, at very least a point. Um, but goals win your games and we missed our chances and Ipswich took theirs, however poor they were. But in terms of structure and, and a, a game plan and everything else that comes with it, we look a completely different side in a very short space of time and that's what's given me hope for the longer term, even if we don't have enough to stay up this season, because essentially we'll probably run out of games. And all not well off the field either. What's gone wrong with the fan base and the chairman? Um, I think he made a few comments at the start of the season that riled a portion of the fan base up. I've always been on the fence with Mr Scally in terms of, yes, I know he saved us 25, 26 years ago and we've had five brilliant years in the championship, punching well above our weight. I get all that, but I also see the other side of it. That was 25, 26 years ago. That's not the here and now. You can't dine out on that forever. A couple of comments he made about fans, like I say, rubbed them up the wrong way. And then, unfortunately, when your football team's not playing well, concentration drifts to other aspects. People want to point the finger. Chairman became the prime target. And, you know, I don't agree with stuff. There was stuff being chanted at Portman Road at the weekend that, that was personal and referencing what the chairman isn't. He clearly isn't. And, and stuff like that shouldn't be trying. It's got no place in a football ground for me. And I can understand why people want change. And I've always said that people say to me, are you scally in? Are you scally out? I say, I'm, I want Gillingham Football Club to be the best version of themselves moving forward. And whether that's with Paul Scally at the helm and he gets help with investment or whether that means him selling. If that's the case, then happy days. What I want us to be is, you know, competitive. I did a, a video myself um, reviewing Monday's game and I, I said at the end categorically I'm not after you know Premier League Champions League and all that razzmatazz I don't like VAR enough for starters so that put me right off um, but we just want a football team that, that we can be proud of on a Saturday afternoon and a Tuesday evening that will go out there play for the badge on the front not the name on the back or run through brick walls and, and give us something to cheer about and you know we all talk about success relatively speaking Gillingham are a, a, a mid-table league one side we've spent five years out of 125, 126 outside of the bottom two divisions. We are we are where we are for a reason. That doesn't mean I don't want us to be successful. It doesn't mean I don't want us to try and get back in the championship. But we have to be realistic. And I was talking to an Ipswich fan on a match preview. They've got a player on £21,000 a week. Their, their wage budget's £9 million. That's what we're up against. And you're in a similar situation. I had James on, um, James Wakefield, for the, yeah. the preview show for the, the reverse fixture back in August. And he said that... Gillingham was a club that they were targeting in terms of where they needed to be, season ticket sales and that type of thing. And we're, we are, we're a similar size, we're a similar fan base. Um, it's always going to be difficult to compete with the Ipswiches and the Sunderlands and the Portsmouths and the Charltons and all that and the Wiggins in this league. But I think what we enjoy as fans of, you know, of our clubs is, is that we can go to them places and we can put in a performance and we can, we can bloody their nose, metaphorically speaking. And, and, you know, you went to Ipswich first day of the season, picked up a point and we've been to... You should have won. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. Um, we've been to Sunderland a couple of times in the past couple of seasons and, and, and taken points off them. And, and when you're upsetting fan bases of, of these bigger clubs that like to think they should um, should be beating us, and they should. I don't disagree with that. It's just the way it's portrayed sometimes comes across wrong. But I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. But yeah, the chairman, unfortunately, has become a target because we're not winning. If, if we're winning football matches and playing well, then you, you tend to get away with a bit more, don't you? Same as performances. People go, oh... Steve Evans was hoofball, but we weren't moaning last season when we were on the verge of the playoffs. It only became an issue when we started losing football matches. 
one thing with the chairman, Matt, that sticks in my mind from earlier in the season was obviously when we played you back at the end of August, it was right at the end of the transfer window. And I think you were expecting the chairman to come out with, right, we're going to be signing players and, 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 and giving a, an on-the-field update. He then comes out on social media with a, a club interview, plugging the act who was on in the function room on the Saturday night instead and nothing to do with the team. And then that, that, that stuck in my, in my mind as well. Your priorities aren't quite right in, in that respect. And I, I guess in one way, it set the tone then for the rest of the season. I'm glad you've said that because that's been my biggest issue as a football fan. What we have to remember is Paul Scully bought the football club as a football club primarily. I get now that there has to be other avenues for you know revenue and stuff like that. I remember years and years ago, we did a, a documentary long before YouTube and stuff like that and before it became fashionable, Netflix and Sunderland Till I Die and uh, the Tottenham one and the Manchester City one. We was on a local TV channel and it got aired at about midnight once a week for about six, seven weeks towards the end of the 97-98 season. And they interviewed Tony Pulis, who was our manager at the time. And we just missed out on the playoffs by goal difference because of the final day. We had to win and we hit the post in the last minute and we missed out by a goal scored, I think it was. And he said on there, he said, you can have the best, you can have all the best facilities in the world, the best stadium, the best everything else. He said, if you haven't got a football team, then it means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that stuck with me and, and that resonates with me now. It seems that Paul Scully, unfortunately, has gone away from the football being the primary sort of, you know, focus, mm. so to speak. And it's everything else is making him a bit more money. And, and it, it's to the detriment of us football fans. Let's go to matters on the field then, Matt, if we may. And mm. let's go back to August. Uh, you beat us 2-1 on, on the day. To me, there didn't seem to be too much in the game. We lost the two set pieces, a cheap free kick. Great finish from, from, from your man to take the lead. I think it was in the first five minutes, actually. Uh, and then a late penalty that gave you the win. Danny Lloyd came off the bench and, and, and won the penalty. Whether it was a pen, I don't know. I didn't think it was at the time, but you know, hey, how oh, I suppose it, 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 was, was. it was an absolute state. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was pulled in down. Um, but uh, we didn't think there was much in it at the time. And uh, I, I suppose a lot has happened since then. Obviously, the, the change of manager as well. In terms of the difference, I suppose they are poles apart, aren't they, between Steve Evans and, and Neil Harris. Early days for Neil, of course, only a couple of games into his, his reign. But I, I guess you've noticed an absolute sea change in everything that's gone before? Yes. Yes and no. I mean, obviously, it's only been a week, so we're not going to see the fruits of it for, for a while. But like I said, the, the main thing as a professional football, the bare minimum is effort and work rate and willingness to play for the badge and put yourself on the line when you're out there for 90 minutes. And that's completely changed. Whether Steve Evans lost the dressing room, people stopped playing for him, I don't know. Only the players can answer that. They, they can look inside themselves and say, no, we were still giving our all or maybe not. Um, and then we had Steve Lovell for an interim period and unfortunately that didn't work out. The, the final game he was in charge was that 7-2 um, thrashing at home to, to Oxford a couple of weeks ago. But we changed the system. We, we're playing, we played a 3-4-1-2 in the, in the two games with, with Neil Harris, which has been different. It's not something we saw, I think, probably once under Steve Evans. Um, and suddenly we looked solid. We looked defensively sound. We defended our box so, so well against Ipswich at the weekend. Um, I think there was probably only one clearance that we made that you'd say was last ditch. Um, our keeper had one save to make in the opening period. And second half, we hit the post, we hit the post again. Uh, there was a couple of times where centre forward Oliver was just just couldn't quite stretch enough to get on the end of crosses into the box. And then the sucker punch came when just probably the only time that our centre midfielder dropped off Ollie Lee and just let Connor Chaplin run off the back of him and, and 
class tells Collar Chaplin's a championship player playing in the in League One, and that's what I said. And I said that on my match preview, and when I was talking to the, the Talking Town podcast, that ultimately I think the game will come down to the fact that they'll be able to bring someone off the bench, whether it was a you know a Connor Chaplin if he didn't start or a, a Macaulay Bon who came off the bench. These are these are championship players at the end of the day, or, or very top end League One, and, and we can't afford to be shopping in them markets. And, and ultimately, that's what it was. Connor Chaplin's class told and goals win games and as much as it it, uh, it was the performance was was absolutely brilliant and if we play like that for the rest of the season then we'll, we'll certainly pick up you know we'll win more than we lose but again I, I still think we'll run out of games so the change in formation then Matt to three at the back most league one teams here we've come up against this season have a back three uh, we play four three three that's the way that Stephen Robinson plays and, and that's mm-hmm. how we'll line up against you I'm absolutely sure for those who um, are perhaps unfamiliar didn't go to the priest field in August Obviously, personnel has changed in the interim time as well. Who do we need to look out for? Ones to watch, surprise packages in your team. Tell us uh, everything we need to know. Well, one I would have said would have been Danny Lloyd. He was just playing himself into form, but it looks like he's out for the rest of the season. He was the victim of a very poor challenge, in my opinion, at the weekend. And it it, it, it was right in front of us. And you could just tell how he was reacting, that he knew it was a bad one straight away. We're still awaiting news. I think he was due for a scan Monday. Um but to me, it looked like either a broken leg or some severe knee ligament damage, which which would rule him out for the rest of the campaign. So that was one that you won't have to worry about. But Dane Oliver, you know all about him. He really? had a spell with you a few years ago. He'll be he'll be a threat if we can get service. And he's been unlucky in the last couple. He's hit the post against Crew. He hit the post against Ipswich. Just one of them just goes in and he might go on a run. It was about this time last year where he went on a purple patch. I think got eight in nine or something, or nine in eight. And um, he'll be a big a big um, factor in, in where we finish at the end of the season. If he can go on a goal-scoring run and help us win games, then, then we'll have half a chance. Um, defensively, Conor Masterson's come in. He's played the last two. Uh, he was on loan at Cambridge at the week, um, in the first half of the season. And he's now come to us and he's been very sound in the in the last two performances. Helped us keep a clean sheet against Crew and was, you know, 15 minutes away from another one against Ipswich Town. So for me, probably Oliver... Connor Masterson, and then if he does play Ben Thompson, who we managed to get in from from Millwall uh, on a short-term deal, he had his contract torn up there, obviously played for Harris before. He looked very tidy in the hour he got at Portsmouth at Portsmouth at Portman Road as well. So that'd be my three, Oliver Masterson and Thompson. You've lost your goalkeeper as well in the transfer window to uh, to MK Dons. Has that been a downgrade at all? I mean, obviously, uh, we, yeah. we, we, we've, yeah, we, we played against Pontius Dahlberg when uh, he was for Doncaster and... Uh, he looks a bit shaky, I've got to say. How 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 has he factored in? Uh, well, he conceded seven at home to Oxford, so that, <laughs> that, that never help helps when you're a goalie, does it? Unfortunately, <laughs> he's coming. He looks all right. He looks like he's got an error in him. Bless him. Um, he kept a clean sheet under Shrewsbury. Um, in fairness, aside from the penalty that he gave away, which was absolutely horrendous goalkeeping, um, he didn't have a chance with any of the other six against Oxford. He didn't have a chance with the three that he conceded at home to Burton or those at Wigan, um, but. If you're a goalkeeper, obviously you pride yourself on clean sheets and, and he was going along at probably conceding three a game over his four-game spell in the side. Aaron Chapman's come in the last two, who basically was number two to Jamie coming for the first half of the campaign. Looked really good, looked really, really solid. So um, I think Aris has just decided to go with the experience. Obviously, Chappie's played in this division before. He's won the League Two title with Accrington, was decent at Peterborough for a couple of years at this level and had a short spell up north, um, up north of the border in Scotland before joining us in the summer. So I'll be very surprised if, it, if it's not Aaron Chapman, unless he has an absolute shocker Tuesday night against Cambridge. What about our threats then, Matt? 
if somebody is up against you and they've got 21 goals this season, you've got to be worried. I would have thought. Cole the goal, Cole the goal. We can't yeah. get away from him, can we? He's been absolutely phenomenal. And, yeah. you know, I hope he has an absolute shocker at the weekend, but good luck to him. He's been, he's been brilliant. He was really good in the game against us. He's so difficult to play against. I remember James telling me that once he gets the ball within his touch and in his vicinity and that circle around him, he's, he's impossible to get the ball off of. And I remember there was, I think there was one spin down the far end from where we were sat and exactly what James said, you just couldn't get the ball off. I think he just missed the target and and, and he was a threat all afternoon and, and he's been a threat to much better teams than Gillingham all season. Um, but that doesn't make you a one-man team, does it? You, you, you've got other good players. You're well-drilled under, under Robinson, who's done a f- fantastic job and, I know James and, and, and Charlie were both very bullish about where you'd finish this season and you're probably a bit lower than where both were expecting at the moment, especially Charlie. I think Charlie was saying you'd get in the top half, but um, <laughs> I think it's great to have that ambition, but we know it'd be a tough game. You, you're desperate for points as much as we are. What we're trying to do, if if we've beaten Cambridge Tuesday night, we should hopefully go above crew. And then obviously you're the next port of call. That's the next one that we've got to drag closer to us. And if we can nick three points, then obviously it does that. And the more that we can keep them teams above us within touching distance, they start to get a bit twitchy. But I think we're at the point now where if every time we play a team around us, if we lose, I think we're done. That's that's where the pressure comes from. But it should be a good game. We talk about that mini league, Matt, don't we? And well, well, certainly I do. Hmm? I suppose it happens every season. Eight, nine clubs. And it is, it is bunching up towards the bottom end of League One. And... and for this stage of the season, no team, despite horrendous campaigns for yourself and Doncaster crew, nobody's cut adrift yet, are they? They're, they're, everybody is still just about hanging on by the fingertips. Eight yeah, points at the moment. Eight points at the moment as we speak could be five by the time we play you on uh, on Saturday. So you're far with 16, 17 games to go. On paper, at least, it's it's not an irretrievable gap. No, I don't think it is. I think you'd probably say everyone up to, to Shrewsbury is probably still in trouble. They're on 33 points. So it's 11 points between the bottom bottom nine, I think it yeah. is. But, you know, there's, there's probably two or three teams. That's us, uh, Doncaster and crew, that, that, that are almost at the point of no return. Um, but yeah, if we can just keep pinching points. I've said if we, take, if we can take four points this week, we'll still be in it. If we can take six, it'd be a belter of a week. Saturday was never going to define our season and where we end up against Ipswich. It was almost a free swing, despite the need for points. Um, but I think if you asked any Gillingham fan and said, if you go to Ipswich and get beat and then you take four to six points from, from Cambridge and Morecambe, we'd have taken that. The thing that's in our favour is we've still got to play. So we've still got to go Doncaster. We've still got to play you. We've still got to play Wimbledon. We've still got to play Fleetwood, Lincoln. So in that sense, it's essentially in our hands. Yeah. But yeah, it makes for a fascinating end to the season. And I said to someone, I think it, was, it might have been coming back from the game Saturday, I'm not even sure fifty point, you'll need 50 points to be safe. Like there's so many teams that are beating each other that that if you can get to 46, 47, 48, it might be one of them weird campaigns where you just about survive. Obviously, our goal difference isn't great. We need to start winning games and, and winning them quite big to, to try and get that back down. But because essentially you're adding another point on at the moment, because ours and Doncaster's absolutely horrendous. But it makes for an exciting end to the season, doesn't it? But to be honest, I'd much rather be somewhere where like Charlton Burton or Portsmouth are and just be in the anonymity of uh, mid-table. I, I would I would have settled, certainly three months ago, I would have settled for that all day long. I think uh, we knew it was going to be a roller coaster. The one thing that we found in League One, Matt, is that <laughs> the difference in quality between League One and League Two, not all that much in terms of general play, and, and certainly most of the games we've played this season, 
We have matched our opponents in, in overall general play. But the two areas that we have found, not, not well, yeah, being found wanting actually some, some occasions is the relentless pace of League One. You can go, you can kind of drift through games in League Two almost at pre season friendly pace sometimes and mm. like that for the whole nine minutes. But it, League One seems a lot faster. And like you say, there's more quality and there's more strength in depth, especially towards the top end of the table when you've got championship level players coming off the bench don't even get in the match day 18 and and and, and that's where we've been found out a little bit this season but general play would not be in uh we've not been bad and certainly in the last five six games ever since we've found ourselves three nil down against doncaster on the second of january and then also mm. we turned it around to win four three in the second half doncaster oh, just okay. crumbled absolutely crumbled in the second half Ever since then, we've I think we've found a new renewed belief, determination, whatever cliche you want to call it, heart, tenacity, and uh, and 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 that's what's giving us the belief that we are going to be okay this season. But we certainly don't underestimate Gillingham at all. We think it's uh, it, it's it's certainly not going. To, it's obviously a game we're targeting for, for three points. Naturally, I mm-hmm. suppose in terms of your prediction, Matt, you're going to say it's one that you need to win as well. 100% and, and it's a team around us so we've got to and I'm certainly a lot more optimistic than I would have been if it was still Steve Evans or if it was Steve Lovell in charge and that's no disrespect to either of them but Steve Evans went for a reason because we weren't winning football matches Steve Lovell bless him he came in and helped out again he's a club legend in terms of player he's done coaching he's done community work he's done everything probably kit man as well um, swept the you know the dressing room he's done everything so there was never any sort of hard feeling towards Steve Lovell for that 7-2. He's coming in and he's trying to clear up someone else's mess. But yeah, we have to be targeting games because I think if we beat, you know, like you said, it could be down to five points by the time kickoff comes around. So then if we go and beat you, it's down to two points and then suddenly you're looking over your shoulder um, and we're suddenly a bit buoyant and thinking we can get out of trouble. But it'll be a tough game. There's no point pretending otherwise. And and you've got one thing that that a lot of teams don't have down there and that's a regular goal scorer. We've got Vidane Oliver, but he's not scored since November. He missed two months after that because of injury. Don't get me wrong, but he needs one to go in and then he might go on a bit of a run as well. But you've got Cole Stockton, who's in absolute prime goal scoring form and has been all season long. And, and that's going to give you half a chance. I think that's it, isn't it? And you're not the first person to, to say that this season. Matt, if you've got somebody who can put the ball in the net, you've always got a chance of winning a game of football, haven't you? So, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the pod. We really appreciate it. No, not a problem. It's been a pleasure. Finally, finally there, before we go, prediction for the game. I think you've already alluded to it, actually. And can Gillingham somehow pull off the great escape. Can they do a Newport County? Um, obviously, this is it's difficult to predict because obviously we're, we're recording before we played the Tuesday game. I'm, I've said we'll beat Cambridge. So I'm going to say we're going to be coming up there with some confidence. I've said four to six points from the two games is what we need, bare minimum. Head says one all draw, which probably won't be too useful for either side. Hart says we might just pinch it based on the Neil Harris effect. And um, your fans are friend, a friendly bunch as well, aren't they, hopefully? We're lovely, most of us. Good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> After the weekend, Matt, that is just what we want to hear. So thanks very much indeed for that. Can you pull off the great escape, though? That's my last question. Ask me come the end of this month. That's my <laughs> answer, because I think in the remaining games this month, we play Cambridge, we then go to you. We then play Wimbledon at home. We then got to play Plymouth or up the top end. And then we go to Lincoln. So there's there's games in there against teams that, that we can keep trying to pull closer to us. We probably need 
eight to ten points from this month, and then it will give us a sniff. Yeah, it's a, it's a big ask, regardless. But my my again, heart on head. My heart says if we can have a good week this, if we can pick up maximum points this week, I'll probably say yes because I'll be getting away with myself. But my head still says we'll probably run out of football matches to get enough points. Huge February for, for both teams. Matt, thanks very much again. Uh, one last plug then, the sales pitch. Jill's in the blood, where can we find it? Uh, we're on Twitter, at Jill's in the blood. We're on Instagram, same name, and obviously YouTube. So yeah, please, if you've not already, go and go and check us out, subscribe. Um, we're always looking for, for opposition fans for match previews and stuff like that. So um, yeah, go and check us out, please. And support's always appreciated. Matt, thank you so much. Uh, good luck for the rest of the season um, after Saturday, of after course. Saturday, and yeah, we'll catch that's you next fine. Time. <laughs> no problem, <laughs> mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Go and check out Jill's In The Blood. It's one of the better fan YouTube channels out there. Loads of content online and social media as well. Matt, thank you very much indeed for speaking to the Shrimps Verdict podcast. Very, very useful conversation indeed. And of course, Gillingham, the visitors to the Mazuma Stadium this coming Saturday, full match commentary on Beyond Radio, live on FM and DAB Plus across North Lancashire and South Cumbria from 2.45. Myself and Matt Smith from the Shrimps Media team, as ever, bringing you the whole game live on your radio. And of course, on I Follow Shrimps as well. And that's just about it for this episode of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. Thanks to your ears and your downloads. They are always appreciated. Take care. And we'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.